Hello, this is David Gibson. I'm executive editor for Journal of Ecology, and I'm here in Portland, Oregon, at the annual meeting of the Ecological Society of America. And today I'm joined by Caroline Brophy. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi, David. Thank you. So I'm a statistician who works in ecological research. I'm based at Maynooth University in Ireland, and I've travelled over here to Portland as well for this ESA meeting. Yeah, so this is quite a, a long trip for you um, to come here. Uh, how are you finding the meeting so far? Finding it great. Uh, I mean, I've try and travel to ESA every two to three years. Uh, as you say, it is, a, it is a long distance, so it's a, a big investment to come. But I always find ESA is it's a great motivational conference. Um, it's great for kind of coming and you know seeing where you fit in kind of in the, in the global picture, really. I mean, there's such diverse work going on and it's such a huge meeting here that there's always sessions really focused on the kind of research that I'm really interested in. And then there's also the broader picture. So yeah, I always go home completely re-energized and uh, ready to go again. And, and overwhelmed, back perhaps. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, so horror sometimes. Yes, yeah. So the, the, the meeting theme this year is linking biodiversity and material cycling and ecosystem services in a changing world. Um, how relevant is that theme for ecologists? Oh, I think it's uh, hugely relevant. Um, from my perspective, I probably know a little bit more about the linking of biodiversity with the ecosystem services. And uh, I think... You know, there's a lot of experimental work has gone on over the last couple of decades in this area and people have focused on all sorts of different aspects, you know, with single functions and with single trophic levels. And we're kind of now seeing a bit of a movement towards trying to integrate a lot of a lot of this work. And so I think it's highly relevant for, for ecologists. Have you seen a good presentation this week? It's, it's Thursday, by the way, now. So we're on the, really the last full day of the meeting. So you've been on the half days of presentation so far. So anything on this topic that you liked? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the standout for me was the presentation yesterday by Catherine Suding. Uh, so Catherine presented um, kind of a, a recent advances invited lecture. And it was quite a great, it was a great overview on just kind of the different um I suppose the different kind of stresses that ecosystems are facing, like the environmental stresses and then how changes in variability can have an impact on things. And of course, then you have perturbation events. And she talked a little bit about how all of these things link together. And from my perspective, what she kind of was focusing on a little bit was the, the how these things link together to impact on sustainable production. And I think, yeah, it was, it was great to see her, her overview perspective on all mm -hmm. of these things. So I found that a great lecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and your own research you mentioned a second ago is, is related to some of these topics as well, right? Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, some of the other presentations I've seen here have been focused quite on analytical methods. And for me, that sort of thing is, is, is really interesting because that's the kind of research that I do. Um, there was a couple of, um, there, was one, there was one session in particular that was all about how to integrate kind of different sources. Uh, so you might have kind of experimental work and how do you link that in with kind of the mechanistic work that has been done. Um, so for my own for my own research, it's very much about kind of building and developing models for empirical data and identifying patterns in BEF research. Um, and also kind of I work for, I focus strongly on the analytical methods that are used to kind of get the most out of big data sets. And, you know, sometimes patterns can get a little bit lost in there. So I think there's so much going on in a system that it's uh, it's important to kind of think about all the different kind of ways that things are interacting to to produce effects. And so I know there was one one session in particular that talked about that kind of, you know, linking empirical data with mechanistic stuff. And I think that's for me, that's kind of an insight, exciting kind of prospect. I think my own work has focused a little bit on the empirical side. And I'd love to kind of build it up a little bit more to, to link in with the mechanistic side. Right. And yes, and as an associate editor for the Journal of Ecology, I, I 
we hope you'd like to see some of these this sort of work come to the journal, right? Uh, for sure, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So you get a chance to handle it. And, um, so you presented this morning um, some of your research uh, based upon uh, a paper that you have had published in the journal recently. You, you want to tell us a little bit about that work? Yeah, so this work uh, is from um, quite a large experiment. Um, it was from a multi-site experiment that was there was 31 different experimental sites. And I love this kind of data because it really generalizes a lot more than just a single site an experiment can do. Um, so this work in particular was looking at mixtures of agronomic grassland species. So we had like two grasses and two legumes with different rates of temporal development. And the focus that I was looking at today was very much how do the relative abundances of the four species, how do they develop over time? And if, for example, you see a decline in the evenness of the system, if perhaps maybe one species becomes dominant or maybe even disappears, but a reduction in, in diversity or evenness, whatever way you want to measure it, um, what, are the, what are the impacts on ecosystem function for that? And what I focused on in particular was looking at the link with yield, because obviously from an agronomic perspective, yield is, is, a, is a highly important ecosystem function. So... The kind of things we found was that certainly the, the relative abundances of the four species, they changed very much over the, the three-year time period of the, of the experiment. And we identified that this was primarily due to really differences in the intrinsic relative growth rates of the four species. So for we kind of what we did was we estimated the average relative growth rate in each unique competitive setting because we had several unique competitive settings across the experimental gradient so we estimated those relative growth rates and found strong differences there and if you've got species with different relative growth rates you're obviously going to see some some changes in dominance um, over the course of a period of, of three years but what we also found alongside that we found evidence of density dependencies so we find negative intraspecific density dependencies which in a way acted as like in, in some instances actually as a stabilizing mechanism for the systems and actually prevented a shift towards monoculture um, and so it was it was good to see kind of how these different effects kind of worked with each other and alongside each other and um, we also identified some climatic effects and i think kind of the we looked at precipitation and temperature variables and how they how they affected the relative abundances and we found that in particular that the extreme minimum temperatures had a negative effect on legumes so the, the less extreme, kind of the, the milder kind of sites, we found that they had a better legume persistence. Yeah, so four species, two grasses, two legumes, are they the same two grasses and the same two legumes across all 31 sites? No, no, because we had quite a climatic gradient, like we had quite a, like from the very north of, of Europe down to the Mediterranean region, and, and there was one site in Canada as well, so there was a lot of different climates, so what works well in mm. the north of Norway isn't going to grow right, well exactly, in, in the Mediterranean. Yes. So we had that the species were classified according to the, fun the same functional traits, but that the identity of the species was determined by the site. Right. So there were a number of sites that did have the same set of species, but not across the board. Mm -hmm. uh, there were, the biggest species group had 18 sites. So there was, mm -hmm. there was a certain amount of commonality, but at least there was the functional characteristics that we were able to do those, those bigger comparisons. Right, yeah, that, that makes sense. And were the, 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 the plots all weeded to maintain the four species mixture, or did you let no. everything come out as well? Yeah, I mean, they were, they were harvested... At, each site decided how many times to harvest from between two and seven times, uh, depending on the site. Um, but they weren't weeded, no. So there was there wasn't weeding management. Okay. So then your diversity and evenness measurements are based upon what you found on the basis of sowing or planting these four species. Then. So yeah, I didn't include the the unsown species in the analysis that I was okay. looking at, okay. partly because, and in fact, there's another paper just come out recently on the unsown species or on the weeds in this experiment. Um, but there was a very strong suppression of weeds mm -hmm. with the mixtures in this study 
And so I just focused on the dynamics of the species that we had sown that we were interested in. So the relative abundances were computed as a proportion of those four species okay, over time. And those four remained the dominant species? Did any of the weeds take over or, or get to be equivalent? There were some instances of that, of course, at a plot level. Yeah. Um, but no, not across the board. No, there wasn't. Um, I think the other side to them was kind of the linking with the ecosystem function. So mm -hmm. even though we did see kind of massive changes in the relative abundance over the course of three years and a decline in evenness to a certain extent, like legumes did persist quite well at a number of sites, but they were reduced to kind of maybe at half the sites had kind of greater than 15% legumes, but that's quite lower than what was, mm -hmm. you know, from the starting point. And what we did find that there were significant diversity effects on yield throughout the three years at the majority of sites, um, but it was correlated with legume abundance in the previous year. But even when legumes had we looked, even when legumes had declined or disappeared, there was still diversity effects presenting um, mm. even into the third year. So it was, yeah, that was. Yeah. Re recently, Jason Fridley had a, a Harper review in the Journal of Ecology in which he, he looked at uh, uh, scaling effects from populations to ecosystems and, and made the point that most uh, ecosystem models use yield or biomass as their parameter from scaling from populations and, and he's arguing in his paper that um, another view would be to look at some vital rates and things like that and, and, and translate that into ecosystem models. I mean is that something that uh, your work would have relevance for or, or could be part of that sort of argument? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea that a system produces more than one service or one ecosystem function, of course, is, is hugely mm -hmm. relevant. Is that sort of well, I suppose he's making the point from a population perspective, it's all about fitness and, and, and biomass isn't so relevant really from a, from a population perspective because you know, a plant could be very big and have few seeds or very small and have a lot of seeds and, and, and the biomass is, is, is not a, a measure of, 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 uh, of, of fitness but it's used as such in ecosystem models. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting point. I mean, I think for the, the paper that I've just published, that's um, an agroecosystem. I think maybe perhaps it's not hugely relevant for those kind of systems, but I've, I'm doing some other work with a group in North Dakota at the moment, and uh, it's, a, it's a natural system. And what we're seeing is, is different plants that have, you know, they're naturally very different in sizes. So we have some very tall species, we have some very small species. And I think those kinds of issues really do come into play there. Um, so, yeah, I think hugely relevant for, depending on the type of system, mm -hmm. I, think it, yeah. I think it can be. Yeah. Very important, yeah. And I suppose it's how you kind of assess, but what is the relative abundance? And that's been some of, like, you know, do you kind of think of your starting point? Do you think of a point in time? Or do you think of things like that, like the number of seeds or the, the ability for that plant to, to reproduce? It's, um, I think there's so many different ways to look at things that it's, it's, it is important to get it right for the right system. And right. that's, I think, yeah. very much it's, it's, um, it's context dependent. Okay. Well, thank you so much for speaking to us for this podcast. Is there anything else you want to say in closing? No, thank you <laughs> for the chat. All right, thanks very much.